Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. It's fantastic to have you viewing or listening wherever you are. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, as legislation has changed in Australia for contract tracing and, and real ideas around efficiency and functionality around how people run their hospitality venues, I got wind of something that the next brand, as I talk with uh, Rod Schneider, um, head of partnerships with Tanda, got wind of, and uh, I really wanted to get him on the show to talk about it, talk about how Tanda started and, and talked about what initiative they put in place in the last few weeks. So, Rod, it's fantastic to have you on the podcast, mate. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Sean. Good to be here. So let's um, let's talk about the Tender platform because um, it's it's a big platform now. Uh, I've known about it for a couple of years. I actually used it with um, one brand I worked with and was excited in the US experience. Um, uh, so well done. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Thank you. Thanks. For, from a from a you know uh, head of partnerships expect um, um, part to play. Like, how did the actual brand start out and and What's some of its history and what the actual platform does? Yeah, well, uh, it started out actually back at, the, at QUT. Uh, yeah, so right. our, our founders were uh, running the student bar and a number of other businesses on campus. Uh, and they found out that uh, uh, people were signing off for timesheets uh, for times that might not have been true. <laughs> uh, they actually did look at the CCTV footage and there were timesheets uh, submitted for times when the bar wasn't even open so uh, yeah when they <laughs> when they came in there there was a, there were a few troubles um and yes. they at at the time the only options out there in the market were well there were no cloud-based options and uh the main options wanted you to spend a large amount of money on mm. uh biometric so it was five grand a pop for biometric uh scanner at the time wow. yeah, right. and uh they they just weren't prepared to to use the student dollars to do that. So mm -hmm. Tanda version one was actually uh, pretty sure a, the cheapest tablet you could get firing into Google Sheets just to make sure uh, people could, they could run their bar uh, mm -hmm. effectively and efficiently. And mm -hmm. the bar went from uh, turning a loss, which by, by the way, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how a student bar makes a loss, but- No, uh, it should be the <laughs> only thing that makes money in hospitality really, shouldn't it? <laughs> exactly, it should be a sure thing. Yes. Uh, but yeah, after a year of the guys in charge, they realized that that was, and then a few other businesses um, heard about what they'd done on campus locally in Brisbane. And so then our first few clients uh, came on board locally and we've grown from there. So what started as a, you know, an idea for a cloud-based uh, clock in, clock out system, it's now a full uh, workforce management platform. So we'll look after everything from when the employee starts, the onboarding process, uh, rosters, timesheets, clock in, clock out, and uh, I think award interpretation. One of the one of the big things uh, that lots of employers are worried about in Australia. Uh, we uh, like to hold our award interpreter out as the flagship in Australia, uh, mm -hmm. for just making sure people are paid correctly. Yes, uh, but then you know more recently, people are looking for for live business insights and the ability to make decisions on the go, particularly. Uh, particularly in hospitality where things can change and they need to react uh, very quickly to demand. So having a um, app-based uh, platform where managers can make decisions on the go is a real big focus of the platform these days. Have you found that's been something which grown, has grown over time where, you know, people were using the functionality of like a cloud-based, you know, rostering platform to, 
to just make sure that, you know, they were managing their labor appropriately or had the right people on shift and that kind of stuff and the accessibility to send a text message to an employee's phone so they'd know their roster and, and all that kind of thing and has now moved down the track of wanting more and more features of what a roster can provide because, you know, my sort of couple of decades in the industry, like the amount of rosters I've done is... <laughs> I don't want to even think about it, Rod. Like it's so hard to, yeah. you know, to do labor management. Um, and the great thing about cloud-based rostering software is it really helps in that. Um, have you found that people have just been hungry for more and more insights as they've got more skilled at it? Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's on their different journey, right? So mm. there's people that are coming, still coming to us now and still moving off, uh, you know, paper and they're, you know, they're sort of finding out the joys and benefits of a cloud-based rostering, and like you said, yeah. being able to shoot the uh, shoot the roster out via their smartphone. Mm. But there's there's other people who've been been doing this for a while, and they're yeah, they're certainly always keep pushing us. And one of the things we love are, are clients who come back at us and push us and test our test our features and want to you know keep asking for more on that front because uh, you know we. Uh, one of our founders wrote an article a little while ago uh, titled the only reason we build features is to sell them. Uh, and that's, you know, as crass as it sounds, it's, re it's really true. true because we want people who actually use the features. There's no point us investing mm -hmm. a heap of dev time into something that looks a little bit funky and one or two people use. We want, we want thousands of people using these things. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. uh, the things that we've had great take up from are, uh, a, few, a few years back, uh, you know, syncing the, the POS data into the roster and giving people that live wage percentage as they go. Mm -hmm. uh, from the second we released that, uh, we had POS vendors we hadn't even heard of knocking on our door all of a sudden saying, oh, my, my client wants us to integrate with you because they've seen this new feature. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. oh that's, that's great. So, and we love clients who are, who are doing that and are, and are getting active because the feedback we get from that is people really love this feature and they want to, they want to do more. They want to use it to actually make money uh, out of their business or ensure that they stay profitable and aren't, aren't spending money in, in the wrong spots. So mm. yeah, that's, that's been a big, it's a big driver. Like I said, all clients are on different parts of that, that journey. Uh, we love, we love working with the clients who really want to push the, the next limit and, yeah. and test out what's next. Cause you know, I'm not the most uh, technically minded and uh, I haven't worked on the front line in hospitality for a long time now, you know, not yes. since my days at uni. So yeah, I don't right. know what, I don't, I don't know what, uh, you know, the, the bar manager needs or what they have, mm. what they're thinking. So mm -hmm. we need that feedback to make a better product and keep evolving. What, what, do you, when you talk about integration, especially into point of sale systems, like, uh, you know, where people are listening to this podcast from like point of sale companies, I feel have grown exponentially all of a sudden over the last five or 10 years, the amount of different suppliers, which has made it very clouded to make decisions. What kind of, what kind of owners are the ones who come to you guys and say, Hey, I wanted to integrate. I want to integrate Tander in with this point of sale software. Is it startup founders? Is it, is it guys and girls who are sort of growing their brand through or, the most active and the most engaged owners of their staff, right, are the ones that mm. the ones that want to do that. There's no, uh, I, I'm not sure I could pigeonhole them as any particular sort. But yep. uh, I mean, people have been people have been measuring their labour against their sales forever. It's yes. just they have been doing it, uh, you know, either annually or monthly or you know after the fact. 
uh, in any case, no, even if it's at the end of the week, they're sitting down. Um, yeah, I've, I've sat down at, at bars where someone's got out all the, all the paper <laughs> spreadsheets that they're going through in their yeah. staff meeting on a, on a Tuesday morning. And if you're doing that, you know, that, that's slowing you down. You don't have to go through that. You don't have to print out these things. You don't have to, all that data is available live. Mm. But more importantly, you don't have to look at it after the fact. You can mm-hmm. give your, your managers the tools that can do it now. Uh, so you know, if you're talking about the owners, the owners have to want or have to trust their managers to, to make those sort of calls on yeah. the go. They've got to have 100%. Uh, uh, managers who are active and they trust to, make, to run their business properly. Mm. And they're the most, there's, I mean, you, you talk to a lot of uh, people through this podcast, they'd be the most successful people, typically the people who have, a management and leadership team they trust. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, and empower them to make decisions with high quality data and high quality emotional intelligence. Like it's, that's usually the case. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. let's, let's talk about, um, let's talk about what's happened the last couple of months since COVID-19 and how that's really affected, you know, the Tanda brand and, and what's driven the new initiative, which is why I really wanted to talk to you, yeah. to you guys today. Like, What's, what's really happened with Tanda the last two months? Well, there's a couple of things that we've done. Uh, well, as a business, we've, we've been thinking a lot about how we can use our platform to help. And there were lots of, lots of thim- simple things. We could uh, educate our, our users on how to use the software in a contactless way. Uh, there's associations we have with other organisations who might be uh, training organisations because there's a lot of people using downtime to train. Mm. Uh, uh, legal and compliance so helping managers with their obligations with regards to stand downs and uh you know any any working from home arrangements or anything else that's happened but the most exciting one we came up with is actually when one of our founders was talking about um how he just missed going to his climbing gym uh yeah right big climber loves going to his local climbing gym and you know they can he was talking to the owner of that climbing gym about what would take for them to reopen and uh, they've got a lot of space there and it's actually pretty pretty safe even in these conditions for people to be able to to climb but they mm-hmm. thought they knew that business wasn't going to be the same there were going to be restrictions once they started to open again so uh, he decided along with a few of our team to build a uh, essentially it's a it's a lightweight booking app but it allows people to plan when people are allowed to be on the venue. And mm-hmm. so if this climbing gym operate is allowed to reopen, but with a strict capacity limit of 20 people from now on, mm. people are, are able to make bookings. The, in, the business is able to set the time limits for people making their bookings. So if they're climbing, they might be climbing for an hour at a time. They might be doing half hour sessions, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And that just allows that business to, maximize that open time they have because the last thing they want is you know everyone turning up at five o'clock when they've just finished work and having a line around the block sure Uh, a a lot of people are very flexible with their work hours at moments so they want to maximize that limited resource that they have which is 20 people climbing in the gym throughout Mm -hmm. the hours of the day Mm -hmm. so uh yeah we developed a a free app to help people do that and uh basically we we just want to see as many people able to open and function as quick as they can Mm -hmm. um you know i think even about my uh local coffee shop that can only have uh 10 people in it 
in it now, uh, hoping that they'll get a little bit of use out of the system. Uh, and, you know, people can, can plan their coffees a little bit better. And, you know, we all want to keep uh, everyone else in a bit more work uh, and uh, help everyone get through this. This is our, yeah, reopen, we call it, uh, is the name of the tool. And that's, that's what we're hoping we can help people do, reopen yeah. uh, quickly and safely and um, yeah, keep as many people in jobs, basically, as we can. Which is, uh, which is so important, especially for an industry like the hospitality industry, which has been, you know, one of the two or three, which has been uh, definitely hit the hardest. Um, oh, absolutely. So does it also help with, um, obviously, in some of the states around Australia, uh, the government, the state governments have asked uh, for contract tracing, uh, contact details of, um, of people who are, you know, in the venues. Does it allow for, to grab that kind of data as well so they can actually you know, pull who's been in the venues? Yeah, are there, we're, we're recording this the, the weekend after a lot of states like Queensland have, uh, or the week after have, mm. have opened up to 10 people. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the first pieces of feedback we had from some people trialling it. Uh, I know that they, you ha- they have to take their address now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'd, we could only guess so much. We'd guessed uh, for name and email address and basic details for yes. bookings. Yes. Uh, yeah, the, the requirements have come out about uh, address. So uh, by the time the people are watching this, that should be uh, available because it was one of the first things from the weekend that we, um, we uh, were aware that people have to connect, mm. uh, have that additional detail too. So yeah, putting that in and anything else that, you know, we'll be following these updates that happen every week on activity pretty closely. And if there's simple changes like that uh, that can be made, straight away we'll be making them to make sure that people get the most out of out of the tool how do you think um from a customer's perspective how do you think customers are going to handle this transition into um venues taking their their name their number their address every time they want to sit down and have a have a coffee or they want to have a pub meal with a couple of mates like how do you think it's going to go as a consumer like what do you think i think I think if you if I'm behind the bar at the moment, I've got a I, I'm making the the government the uh, enemy, and I'm empathising with the person on the other side of the counter, right? Because you know this is just what we've got to do to get back to work. You know, the the person taking you know someone's address doesn't want to have to take their address for the you know just to give them a, a short black or whatever it is they're mm. ordering at that time. Mm. But if that's what we've got to do to have a job, that's the you know I, I can see consumers being frustrated about it but i think if we approach it with the fact of well it's this or we, we don't get to open and you don't get to go then i think the consumers will be on on the side of the venues and, and they'll get that so yeah that would be the that would be the move the um attitude i'd be taking if i was yes. uh, back back on the front line i'd be you know sorry i don't want to have to do this it's a real pain in the ass i mm. i used to just have to i used to just write you know f fw half or whatever and now yes, I have to write yes. FW half 490 Adelaide Street Brooklyn, Queensland 4000 <laughs> uh, no one wants I don't want to do that either but you know this is just what we have to do and mm. again if we can if we can prepare for that if we know that the customers are coming in and we can do that through an app in advance then that staff member on the front line doesn't have to you know log these things at the time so that's exactly what uh, reopens there to help with uh, is so that we don't get caught up at the service times doing these things that don't actually, you know, they're very important from the safety perspective uh, and very important in terms to allow people to get open, but you don't really want to spend your time doing that. 
on the front line. So no, exactly let's, right. yeah, let's <laughs> let's let an app take that take that out of the process and um, see how we go. It's very interesting too. Um, one of my colleagues pointed out um, it's not that different to having your license scanned. Unfortunately, I'm not sure. I'd, oh, I'd when you go to a when you go to a nightclub or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And then you get there, and then you get the birthday email. Uh, from that nightclub that you went to once and you go, how did that happen? Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How do they know? Uh, Yeah. If I was on the front line, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be talking about that so much. I'd just be saying, look, I don't want to do it, but you know, this is the government's making me do it. So this is what we have to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's either this or we don't open and we'd rather be open uh, serving you guys. Totally agree. Yeah. As As a broader sense, what do you think, Tanda kind of has done beneficially for the hospitality industry because one thing that's always really complicated with hospitality awards, uh, Rod, is is the fact there's usually seven to you know seven to ten different sort of pay rates across the board. Do you think it's you know the ability oh. of Tanda and that kind of stuff has has allowed you know people to be you know paid correctly and for it just to you know be easier for for um uh, for restaurateurs and cafe owners to actually understand what their labour costs actually is properly. Yeah, absolutely. And you, I mean, uh, often uh, those criteria uh, in hospitality, depending on which award you're on, you know, they're thirty or forty, and there's lots mm. of small uh, uh, categories that people miss or weren't weren't sure of, you know. And it's sort of the way things. Fair Works written things. If you're over ten hours and you've worked four days in a weekday and you're facing north and standing on one leg, <laughs> then it's this rate. Uh, and, Very true. You know, there's, there's all sorts of quirky allowances. One of the things we find is uh, people come and start using our award interpreter, and they realise uh, uh, there's additional categories that they weren't aware of, uh, or you know, there, there's additional savings that they could make uh, by restructuring things. So. Uh, yeah, there's lots of people who um, haven't realised, and, and I, I don't think by any fault of their own, just exactly how complex you know every single cat- uh, condition is. Uh, and you know, when a condition on a Friday depends on how many what someone did on the Thursday and the and the Wednesday and the Tuesday and the Monday, it's very easy to miss something. So yes. I think there's two aspects to that. One is giving them some confidence that. There's thousands of other businesses on this single template that you are. And so uh, we're, we're pushing these out. We're doing the legwork with Fair Work for you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, occasionally in uh, hospitality, even the industry bodies have disputes on an interpretation. Yes. Well, we're right there as well, having that discussion with the industry associations so, so that, you know, these can be resolved and applied to our calculator. Mm-hmm. But I think the more important thing for the venues is you can look at that um, award calculation before the shifts happen right so you know when you're going to be triggering overtime now some of that overtime can't be avoided but some of it can uh just by the pattern of the roster so if we can help venue over owners uh roster more efficiently and avoid unnecessary overtime uh or triggering penalties which they really didn't need to do but they just haven't realized that you know Cindy worked until midnight and she's starting at this time and that's triggered one of these additional clauses or allowances. Well then mm. that's better. That's better for that business. So that's where I think we've made a real difference is making it easy to see those costs in advance. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, 
question without notice. But yeah, do, do you I love, think this is where it gets interesting? <laughs> <laughs> this comes a real answer, Rod. Um, yeah, do you think the situation that we've got at the moment with an industry which is going to have a lot of job losses because a lot of venues are going to close is going to change and simplify the award structures in hospitality? And I note to two points one. Um, one example is a kitchen under the kitchen hand duties. A kitchen hand can can clear plates from a from a floor, empty plates, but they can't take out meals that have plate that have you know that that they can't take out a meal right to a customer. Yeah, they can clear yeah. an empty plate, right? Yeah, it's a different different duty, right? Yeah, for a different award structure. Uh, and the second one is when COVID really started ramping up. I think it was, I can't remember if it was the hospitality award, but the hospitality award didn't allow for work at home as part of, mm. as part of any of it. So they changed that unions got together with the government and changed that with fair work, which was a pretty milestone moment. And I think was largely missed because of everything that was happening, which is fair. But do you think yep. this will, this will lead to any change or, or ease or, you know, any kind of easing of uh, different awards? Yeah, look, I, the, this isn't going to be the happy part of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think so. And the main reason I think that is because if that would, were likely to happen, I think most of those changes would have come up by now. So I think the changes that you're talking about have been great. Um, mm. And it's good to see uh, the government recognise uh, some of that flexibility that's needed to you know, help give people certainty about how they're paying people. And also, you know, ultimately give people more hours where they can if they've got mm. people that uh, can do multiple tasks or can work for home or wh whatever it is then uh, that's great I would oh look Sean I really hope that they um, through this process uncover a couple more of those uh, you know ridiculous parts of the award and and nut them out uh, through this uh, I would hope that they'd have done that already I mean no doubt that there's been a lot of uh, feedback through to the the government that's resulted in those changes so far. Uh, I think the the most important thing they can do is is simplify uh, within the awards across them. So I think it's actually a good thing that there's a few different awards, uh, probably across your listenership in Australia: pubs and clubs, restaurant, mm -hmm. uh, fast food, hospitality. I think that it's good because it gives owners, um, you know, it gives a little bit of flexibility in terms of what people end up on depending on what the duties they are sure. that side of it's good um as my computer just had a little bit of a fit there I hope <laughs> that's okay. um uh, but i i think within those awards themselves they can certainly simplify uh a, a lot in terms of uh duties and and rates so uh hopefully they do i have hope that have already done that already like they have uh and let's see if they do that again mm-hmm so Rod, my last my last question to you is: obviously, we're dealing uh, in a situation now where um, hospitality owners need to look at efficiencies um, across the board to do with cost of goods, to do with labour control, to do with their rent, uh, to do with their sales and where their sales are coming from. Do you think this time and COVID really um, shutting down venues for a period of time? Uh, restaurant owners, cafe owners have to rethink their business, really think about if they want to stay in business to start with, but also continue on in this climate with the restrictions in place. Do you think the long-term process out of this is actually going to make hospitality owners 
more efficient and thinking about different parts of their business um, like cost of goods and like rostering a hell of a lot more than they ever have. It definitely, it definitely has in the short term. Mm. Uh, that's for sure. Right. And there's uh, a few businesses that I've seen that have just gone, you know, uh, it's sort of made a decision that they were probably thinking about, you know, what they do next. Do they keep on? Do they change strategy? Nah, you know, we're just going to, so we've seen a few, uh, wind up and take a hard call. So it's probably forced a few hard decisions on those sorts of businesses. Mm. I think that already we've seen businesses uh, looking at what they, you know, looking at everything they can to get through that period. But I'm not sure that it will necessarily have a, a long lasting effect on, because the other, the other decisions and, and still remain the same. And the, the other factors out there, uh, there's going to be, they're going to be operating in different circumstances and uh, some of the variables going into that equation might be different, right? They might not be able to serve as many as they had in the past and they mm-hmm. might be able to do this, but the, the drive for efficiency is still what's going to be the key for these people. So, uh, you know, our clients are still very conscious of what software will uh, help them get the most out of their business give their managers the best tools to make good decisions, yep. keep as many people on the front line as possible. They're still, they're still conscious of those things and we're very conscious of, of those more. We're, we're more, you know, as driven as we ever have been to focus on delivering those tools. But that's, you know, a, the good operators were looking at those things before COVID-19. They're going to be looking at those things after COVID-19. Um, and, you know, this this little period here is is a, is a tough period to get through where they've had to make you know, difficult calls along the way, mm-hmm. but there will be, you know, I can't can I say return to normality. That's gets said a lot at the moment, but there yeah. there will be that there will be that return, and uh, yeah, the people who have focused on the the things that made them successful in the first place will be successful again. Yeah, that's my view anyway. Yeah, no, I largely totally agree. I think they need to just focus what they do really well and, and keep doing things as best they possibly can during whatever time we're going to step through in the next, especially the next 12 months. Um, Absolutely. Rod, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. What is the best way that people can find out about Reopen and what Tanda is offering right now? Reopen.tanda.co. Mm-hmm. And that's got all that you can sign up for uh, free trials there. Get, get involved and yeah, shoot us your feedback because we're keen to set, help businesses reopen as soon as possible. And if you haven't heard about Tanda itself, then it's just tanda.co. And, uh, yeah, we can look at everything else, uh, helping you engage your staff and get the most out of your, uh, get the most out of your business. Awesome. Rob from Tanda, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Sean. Cheers. Thanks.